0: Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Wednesday, February the 3rd. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my brother, Jeff. How are things going, Jeff? Oh, they're going pretty good, Rod. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well today. We have a guest joining us. John Brown, all the way from sunny Florida. How are you, John? Doing well, Rod. How are you guys doing? Yeah, doing, doing great. Doing great. Not, Good to talk as, to not you. Not as yet. well
1: as beat someone being in Florida. I, I could be doing a little better. <laughs>
2: the, well, and, but, <laughs> as yeah. every, but as everyone knows, this state has a rather interesting reputation. So there are the pros and cons, and I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> well, that's for sure.
0: that's <laughs> for sure. Yeah, we were around the 23 degrees today. So yeah, we'll leave Ohio with that too. So. Yeah. <laughs> It's uh it's good to talk to you again, John. It's been uh, looking at uh, Skype when I called you. It's been about eight months, I think. Yep. Doesn't yep. seem like that long, but it has been. So it's good to have you back on the show. Good to yeah, talk to you. Thanks for having me.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me Absolutely. back.
0: Absolutely. Uh, we're gonna before we dive into some Browns topics and and give some grades out to some Browns positions uh, eventually here. Um, we're gonna talk about some some beers. <laughs> uh, well, it's beverages. Uh, John, you're the guest. What do, What are you drinking tonight?
2: I am drinking. Uh, this is a new one for me. Um, uh, a Sam Adams uh, Cold Snap. Uh, I do like some of the Sam Adams beers, Winter Lager, and some of the others. Um, but I, I I saw this one and I thought I would thought I would try it. Um, and you know, it doesn't get cold down here in Florida, so I figured, hey, you know, got to try something, right? So yeah, it's not too bad. Not too bad. It's, uh, you know, it's got a, it's pretty good on the palate. It's got some. Uh, got a hint of some fruit to it maybe possibly and uh some spices you know how how sam adams is kind of known for doing that with some other beers uh putting some of the different spices in there for flavoring so yeah it's got a good flavor to it i'd recommend it excellent
0: i think i've had that i think it's been a long time though i honestly don't remember it (laughs) i think i probably had it like last year so um i'm drinking a a beer imported from poland it's a uh, zywick i guess z-y-w-i-e-c i-e-c yeah it is a um 5.6 percent it is supposedly the number one uh, craft beer in poland since uh, it's uh, been brewed since 1856 uh, it's pretty light beer um back mine's almost gone uh we did a little bit <laughs> of talking before we started uh recording so uh, it goes down pretty easy um uh, tastes great tastes like beer nothing wrong with it whatsoever um if you if you want to try something from poland that's not going to be offensive uh give it a try jeff is sitting this one out so we we're gonna we'll bring him in on some other topics (laughs) so uh so let's move on to just a little bit of browns news and guys there's really not a ton going on in the browns there's a whole lot of speculation at this time here you know we don't have the, the the head coach and and really as much of the draft stuff to look at uh, you know we'll, we'll get into draft eventually because the Browns are going to draft some players but but we're not looking to replace a quarterback or anything like that in the draft uh, so uh, just looking through the news um, I saw that uh, Marty Schottenheimer's been moved to hospice care he's 77 and, and he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's back in 2014. Um, I, I guess he's in stable condition now, so I don't, you know, I don't know exactly how he's doing, but, you know, going into hospice is never, uh, obviously never a good thing. So, um, yeah, I, I don't want to like be too down on this. Um, you know, he's been fighting this for a long time. So, um, Jeff, I thought maybe I'd just start with you and just kind of, you know, what, what do you think about when you think about Marty Schottenheimer and, you know, and him as a coach and what he did with some of those great Browns teams in the 80s?
1: There's a gleam, men. <laughs> Probably one of the most motivational speaking coaches that the Browns have ever had. I mean, guys would run through walls for Marty. Um, you know, probably not the strongest X and O offensive guy. He was more of a defensive head coach. And um, yeah. I don't think he really ever had a super strong staff. You know, I think Bill Cower was on his staff for a while. I um, could be mistaken. But, um, you know, he, he was a blue-collar coach, you know, for the Browns. Um, and he really, I think, the players just got up for him because of, you know, how well he motivated them. Um, and that obviously, you know, the late eighties was a great time period for our organization. Um, we have him to thank for some of the great moments in our history. And it's really kind of sad to hear that, you know, he's in that kind of shape.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh- John, would you say, you know, I think I would. would you say that Marty, I mean, for, for those of us, you know, have been following the Browns for a long time, but who, you know, who obviously weren't around when Paul Brown was coaching the Browns, would you say he's he's the most beloved Browns coach in our era?
2: Um, I, th- I think you can make that argument. I mean, because it's also hard to forget about Sam Sam Ritigliano. Um, I think there's still a a great, you know, a a warmth from the fan base for Sam, Um, you know, and, and, you know, and and with with Marty, I think with Marty, though, I think the attachment there was that that 80s era of flirting with Super Bowls and, you know, with the team that, you know, Bernie and, and, and that group of guys with, you know, with Clay Matthews and, you know, so many. Um, players that we still look at and consider iconic and revere and in some cases engage with. I mean, some of these guys are still involved in the community. And and so, yeah. it, it, you know, you, it, I think we have that attachment to Marty's teams in, in a different sense than with Sam's teams. Um, but, you know, a lot of people still love, you know, Sam. I mean, you know, I know some of the radio stations still had him actively involved on some of the radio shows and some things like that. And and so you, and there's just that different connection. Um, I, I, w- I was really kind of I, I wouldn't say taken back, but I was—I wouldn't say saddened either. It was, uh, um, in some ways, you know, I heard the news about Marty today a lot like everybody else, and and for me it kind of hit a personal nerve because that's you know that that was what my dad went through, and so to to, to know that somebody is dealing with that is kind of a, a hard thing to 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 push through, and I and I think for some people they don't understand it or aren't from the, unless you deal with it firsthand, and so you know wishing you know you know his family and his 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 close friends and, and fans um you know all the love and support and, and and prayers uh for him you know you know marty we're all uh you know we gotta we got we're putting in some prayers for you man
0: yeah yeah definitely definitely very very well said very well said john let's uh i want to move on guys i, I read a uh, a couple of couple of articles uh, put out fairly recently one by Doug Lamarese. uh he wrote this on january 31st but the article was titled are we sure the browns aren't the third best team in the nfl and th- this was on the heels of the of the chiefs beating the bills uh, r- rather convincingly you know after you know after uh, playing a pretty close game with the Browns. And of course there were circumstances in the Browns game, but, uh, but Doug put a pretty, uh, pretty convincing argument, you know, up that, that the Browns are in a a group of a few teams that, that, that have a pretty good argument for being probably the third best team in the league this year. And the season's over guys. So I don't want to go back too much to, to last season. Um, as far as, as far as being concerned about where the Browns rank, because, you know, the Browns are looking at next season. But I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that and, and how you kind of thought about where the Browns, um, or maybe how the, how the Buffalo KC game made the Browns look, if you happen to see any of that Buffalo KC game or know how that came out. And, Jeff, I'll let you kick this one off.
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting to um, weigh it against the Buffalo-KC game because if you do that with, you know, without a lot of um, drilling down, uh, it, it really looks like the Browns were much more competitive with Kansas City than the Bills were. Um, I think we're probably, and I saw an article this week, I think it was SI, um, that, that sort of ranked teams the same way, um, and they put the Browns in the third tier, which was a year away um, mm-hmm. from contending for a Super Bowl. Um, I think you have to you have to look at this um, in terms of of where we are in that process. You know, we you can take just this season and look at how we performed against other teams. You know, let it stand on its own, um, but if you look at it over the course of a few years, I think that's probably a little bit more accurate that, you know, we, we, this season we might've overachieved a little bit due to Mm -hmm. some different factors, um, strength of schedule, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, catching Kansas city, um, not having played in a little bit, and Mahomes getting hurt. And, you know, a lot of factors went into how we looked in that game versus how Buffalo looked in their game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's fair to say though, that, that, you know, we are now in those upper tiers and that, you know, we have as much reason to believe that we can beat anybody else in the NFL as anybody else does, which if you think about where we were this time a year ago, um, is light years ahead. So, It might be a little bit premature to be saying that we're the third best team in the NFL um, just because we don't have that kind of history. Um, You need to do it, I think, a little bit longer to be able to make that kind of a claim. But I don't think we're very far away from it either.
0: Yeah, Doug went through a lot of he went into a lot of stats and his argument was really the fact that you can make a case for them being the third best team along just alongside of the cases for probably four or five other teams. Right. I don't think he was saying necessarily that, that the Browns uh, Browns are clearly the third best team, but they have as good a case as any of the next four or five teams do.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. Um, let's, you know, let's see how, things play out over the next couple of years. Um, and we can probably submit that if, you know, we do what we did this year.
0: Yes. How how do you feel about that, John?
2: You know, I'm I'm kind of I'm in the same camp as Jeff, and and there were some conversations during the course of the season where, you know, and and it's easy to get caught up in the emotion. I mean, we're not even the players and we get caught up as fans and, you know, we go out and dump 40 on, you know, a playoff caliber team like a Tennessee or a Baltimore or, you know, Pittsburgh or whoever. And we can be like, hey, the Browns are back but I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's the breaks first, because what I want to see is consistency now. Mm -hmm. We went out and went eleven and five this year, but I know it wasn't too long ago. Okay, I lie. It was a while ago when we were ten and <laughs> we were ten and six, and then we were supposed to be good the next year, and it didn't come to fruition. And we we hear all the prognosticators. We weren't too far, we're you know, remote We're not too far removed from being the darlings of the league just a couple years ago after the. OBJ trade and all of these types of things that went down and people are like, Oh man, the Browns are the AFC favorite and this, that, and the other. And we went out and fell flat on our face. Um, You know, so let's establish some consistency. Let's um, you know, do I think there will be a fall off from this year? No, I don't think so. Um, I know that we're going to play a tougher schedule. So that remains to be seen how we stack up now against uh, a better, uh, you know, a a better schedule and, and, and kind of go from there. But you look at the fact that this year that we survived games from key inju- with key injuries. We lost, you know, Nick for four games. We lost Miles for games. Um, some, there were some games where we, we had a lot of people missing. I mean, let's not include the Jets game. That doesn't even count. But, um, you know, you look at that. And in the past, even when we were fully healthy, we weren't winning games. So, I mean, you look at the depth. You look at scheme changes. You look at the talent level and say, I think that, you can make an argument that we are going to be in the upper the upper tier uh, of of teams going forward. Um, you know, coaching scheme with how S- Stefanski has the team organized, those types of things. Um, and and I think I think there's a, a definitely a positive wave that that we we can be on. And I think that I think we're going to be all you know that's going forward. I think we're going to see that come to life. And and I think the team is going to be able to ride that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think we can't put the kind of the cart before the horse. Thinking the Browns have completely, you know, completely arrived at this point. But I think knowing that they've solved a couple of issues, hopefully with the, you know, with with uh, Stefanski, hopefully being a long term answer, Andrew Barry, you know, yep. and, and hopefully Baker. You know, it, if you look at those guys as being a core, even if you're not winning. 11 or 12 games every season for the next five years you feel like you can't win a team that competes you know that can compete in every game and i think that's where you start and i think that's where you find the consistency is by having people like that in those positions
2: and and i don't remember who i was having the conversation with but you know kind of and i think a lot of times you look at it from the standpoint of you want to focus on the division and for a long time we've been just beat up by, you know, Pittsburgh and Baltimore. And I said, that's the teams that we, you. And it's not so much emulate them, but, you know, you want to be able to beat them consistently. And, and at the very least, you want to be competing with them. And I mean, did we have some mm-hmm. ugly games early in the season? Yep. But we also had no yeah. off season, new offense, new scheme, new coaching staff. And the fact that we grew through that and and, and grew later into the year, I mean, at mm-hmm. the end of the year, we're putting up 40 points a game. I mean, yeah. so, I yeah. mean, we saw growth just inside of the season so I, I think those are the things that bode well going forward with this team in terms of direction
0: i agree with you i want to move on to another article and guys i don't want to spend a ton of time on this i just i just kind of want to put this out there because it's a topic that's not going to go away and we will spend a lot of time on this when we talk about this position group okay but Uh, Fred Greetham wrote um, an article entitled, uh, titled are the Browns better with or without OBJ and the offense going forward. (laughs) Okay. People will not let this die. Uh, Uh, You know, and, and it's a good article because, you know, he, he starts, he doesn't take a side in it. First of all. Okay. He's just trying to look at, look at it, um, both sides of it. And, you know, he, he quotes people who say very obviously that OBJ is, is one of the top talents in the league. So how can you be better without him? And I think that's how a lot of people look at it. But then we see how the Browns got better. The offense got better when OBJ got, you know, left the lineup, which was probably because the offense was starting to gel at that point. Okay. Not because OBJ got hurt. But I just kind of wanted to just get a couple minutes from you guys on, on how you feel about this topic and, and uh, just give you a minute to minute or two to knock it around. (laughs) I would would say
1: um, we're probably going to find out before long. Um, It might be a year or two down the road, but um, I don't think OBJ is going to be here long-term. So, um, either you know, either he or Jarvis, and if I had to choose between the two, I think I'd want to keep Jarvis. So um, you know, just looking at the money that's being committed at various places on this team and some of the decisions that are going to have to be made, um, I don't see us paying both of those guys, you know, one a receiver money. So um, you know, this this conversation will probably be used as justification at some point for when the Browns move on from OBJ. Uh, Well, look, you know, back in, you know, 2020, OBJ was out for the last however many games and the Browns ended up being better. Um, You know, you can, you can build a case for it, but um, like you said, right. I mean, he's, he's an immensely talented receiver. And the fact that the Browns really haven't figured out a way to utilize him is really not on him. It's, it's on the team. And, and you know, we said going into the season with all the weapons um, that this offense has that, you know, there was going to be guys who weren't going to get their numbers. They weren't going to get their touches. And, you know, even if he had stayed healthy, um, people probably would have still made the argument that, you know, OBJ isn't performing in the Brown's offense. You know, well – that's just how the offense is built. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's going to shake out, I think, in the, you know, not ne- not next season because, you know, with the injury, I think he's pretty much untradeable. But yeah. probably the following offseason, so a year from now, we'll probably be talking about, you know, how is the roster going to be shaped as we get into these different positions and the money that's committed and where these guys are, you know, um, in, in their careers and in their contracts, um, that's one of the first big ones that's going to come up. So
2: yeah. it,
1: we'll, we'll have that answer sooner rather than later.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know and there's a there's kind of a thing there I think that get kind of gets lost. It's not just his time with in Cleveland, but I mean is immensely talented as he is. I we also have to consider the fact that he has an injury history. And I mean, just that's in in his career, even in New York, he he had injuries that put him out for sizable lengths of time. Um, And you have to start looking at those. He's getting older. He's starting. I mean, you could make an argument that he's starting to become, quote unquote, damaged goods. Um, Now, I also remember him almost single handedly winning the Dallas game, you know, earlier this season. I mean, so and and Jeff, to kind of touch on your point in. I think as we kind of grew into the offense as the season went along, I think we started to understand, you know, ways that he can be utilized and they kind of used Jarvis in the same way in some sense. Um, So it's, 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 it's finding that that scheme that kind of works for this offense and fitting those pieces. Um, And I think everyone out there would, would agree that this is a run first football team. You have Nick Chubb, I mean, to me, the best running back in football and you got a phenomenal talent in the in the backup and Kareem hunt. And then you have these other guys around there. And that's I mean, that's kind of how we're slated is to run the football. And then and but we're still an explosive offense all of a sudden. So I think those things, you know, you can look at that and you can you know, you can look and say down the stretch. and, And Rod, you made a good point. We grew into the offense down the stretch. And even though Odell was gone, we started cranking out points. I mean, I mean, it was they were coming fast and furious. I mean, we were hanging on for dear life with the defense, but this offense has shown the ability to, to do some things, you know, regardless of who we're putting on the field. So it'll be interesting to see how we start factoring in numbers, dollars, salary cap, and things like that going forward. I mean, I like the guy. I like what he brings to the, the, the team from a personality standpoint. And, and I think, you know, Baker and, of course, obviously Jarvis, these guys love playing with him. But you have to do what's best for the team. So we shall see going forward.
1: Hey, Rod, let me just throw out something real quick here with regard to OBJ.
2: Um, okay.
1: seven seven years in the league. Um, he, in in that time frame, he has uh, just a little bit under seven thousand yards receiving, sixty eight thirty. Um so almost averaging a thousand yards per season for his career. With um, the injuries. Yeah. With yeah. with the fact yeah. that, that you know that this year he only had 319 yards, and back in 2017 I think he had a major injury and he only had a little over 300 yards. So you, you can't dispute the fact that the guy produces.
2: Right. Okay?
1: I mean, a lot right. of that was front loaded. You know, he had close to 100 receptions every year his first three years, um, where you know he was being utilized a lot. Okay, but um, you know the guy is a productive receiver. Um yep. The fact that he got hurt this year, you know, for sure was um th- that affected, you know, his um likability among the fan base, which I don't think is really all that fair. Right. Um, I agree. You know, um but I would, you know, I would bet that if, you know, he comes back healthy this season, um you could pencil him in for you know, 70 to 80 receptions and, and 1,100 to 1,200 yards. So, you know, yeah, yeah. Can, I mean, can, can Richard Higgins do that? Maybe um, at, you know, a tenth the cost, <laughs> you know, probably. Um, those are the kind of conversations Andrew Barry's going to have to have. And, and, you know, when he makes decisions going into the 2022 season.
0: Yeah, guys, I, I really felt like the Browns were learning how to utilize uh, Stavansky. You know, was learn, really learning how to u- utilize uh, OBJ correctly. Um, you know, with with a lot of the plays and a lot of the ways they use him. You know, up up to the injury. You know, the last few games before he got hurt, uh, I felt like the thing that's missing is kind of figuring out either the uh, you know, the the timing, the connection with Baker versus trying to get OBJ so many targets per game, you know, versus, just, you know, just letting things happen naturally. And to me, that's just something that should all of a sudden click at some point. And when it clicks, watch out. You know, it, it's kind of like Baker. Baker, you know, people are ready to just dump him the first half of the season. People who, you know... Thought that Baker should just be good, even though he's had, you know, all these different coaches and OCs. And finally, Baker just had enough time in the system, and he figured it out. Well, the same thing could happen with Baker and OBJ, and it should. Okay, they get enough time together. Stefanski Stefanski gets enough time with Baker and OBJ, and and they'll figure it out. and, And it should just be a part of the offense that this happens, instead of trying to make things happen. So... I'm with you, but, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll talk about wide receivers on a future show as to as to right. what OBJ's future is. But, it, um,
2: and and Rod, for the, and for the record, people still want to get rid of Baker <laughs> for uh, some reason. I don't know why, but for some reason, yeah. Anyway,
0: yeah. So let, let's talk about that. The you know Deshaun Watson wants a trade. So okay. I, I see a tweet. Hey, let's let's trade Baker and two first round picks and and Kevin Stefanski <laughs> and and Nick Chubb and everybody else for Deshaun Watson. Okay, why? You know, because Deshaun Watson was was a top rated quarterback.
2: You know, it was funny. What's I went he look. Done? Well, was and I he, went. Well, I went and looked at his stats. And for his career, he's got a, I think it's a 105 rating of like 105. And he's put up numbers. And, and but he's I mean, when you, a, he's you a know, very you, good quarterback. And, well, and you look at the fact that he's existed in the same system for, I think, four years. He's been in the league four years now. Um, and there's no denying his athleticism, you know, any of those types of things. But you again, you got to look at the fact that Baker has been with the Browns for three years. He's had four systems. <laughs> last year, last year they didn't even have an off season to really, you know, they had to do everything virtually via Zoom and all of this insanity. And 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 one other thing that to me that is not lost on all of this is Baker Mayfield said, I want to go to a team that's one in 31. He said, I wanna be the guy that turns that franchise around. I'm willing to take that on. And, you know, and you don't see that very often. And you've got team, you've got quarterbacks quitting on teams that are decent. You got, you know, so there's yeah. a lot of different factors. And so I look at Baker and, you know, I've, I've been in his corner since he got here. You know, I think we all get mad. I think that's normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same point in time, last time I checked, Joe Montana wasn't perfect. Tom Brady's not perfect. Brett Favre's not perfect. Drew Brees ain't perfect. I mean, it's the nature of the game. It's the nature of the game. We got to give the guy his opportunity. He's he's already shown that he's got the flashes of brilliance in him. I mean, how? how uh, what was it? Cincinnati. Odell gets hurt, and what does Baker do? He comes back and he throws five touchdowns. He he has almost a perfect game. I mean, it's and and, and everybody's, everybody's yeah. going to be dismissive. Everybody's going to say, "But it's the Bengals. They're still an NFL football team." That, you know, so yeah, it's he those completed how wins. many passes in a row in that game? Like tw- twenty-one, 20? I think. Twenty one,
0: yeah, twenty two. Well he said his team record. It yep. was, it was insane.
2: Yep. Yep. You know, and the rookies are stepping up. Higgins stepped up, you know, you know, DPJ with the big, with the big catch to win the game. I mean, just stuff like that. And and Baker was dialed in. And then we saw, we saw Baker constantly improve down this stretch. We, you know, you know, not turning the ball over. Did he make a couple of bad reads here and there? Sure. And were there some that probably should have been picked up? Oh yeah. (laughs) there were some that, you know, the guy, the guy dropped it on defense and you're like, oh my gosh, thank you. You know that kind of thing, but we were still. I mean, Baker was still dialed in down the stretch, and I, I think he deserves the opportunity. I, I'm I'm in his corner. I'm behind him. I, I think Baker's the guy. I think he's our franchise quarterback.
0: I, I agree. And here's the other thing: Baker is on a rookie contract for yep. uh, for this coming season, and then you know for his fifth year option. Yep. So, so Jeff, do you see any reason why the Browns would want to trade Baker at this point?
1: No. I think <laughs> the, I think this conversation is a lot like the uh, Jadavian Clowney versus Olivier Vernon conversation that we had last offseason. Um, I think w- anytime you have the opportunity to upgrade a position, a GM's going to look at it. That's his job. Um, but we as fans... Tend to look at um, a player and his his uh, reputation and his jersey sales, and and we fall in love with names um, yeah. that may or yep. may not even be as productive as the guys we already have. Um, not a knock against um, Deshaun Watson. I mean, Deshaun Watson is probably a you know top three quarterback in the league, skill wise. Uh, production wise and he's in a crappy situation. Um, I mean, I hope he ends up in a better situation where you know he has an opportunity to win with a team that can put a, a roster around him. Um, and and yeah, the browns have to do their due diligence on things like this. but I don't see that for for us. I don't see that from a timing standpoint making any sense at all. We have so many, Skill players
0: tiers. yep yeah we just we, we yeah, why so would you get up, players get right first now that, that, draft picks and stuff i mean it's right crazy.
1: well look I, i'm not i'm not really not even as worried about picks right now because picks for us are are going to be devalued over the coming season cover seasons as as we have better records okay? yeah so so The main thing to me is, and and we're kind of diving into it with, you know, looking at the roster composition and, you know, where those players are in their contracts and when they're going to hit the big money, okay? Um, Bringing in Deshaun Watson as one of the top paid players in the league doesn't help our roster situation. (laughs) No, not at
0: all. To your
1: point, Rod, you know, we've got Baker on a rookie deal, which is very favorable to us for the next two years, right? Just like a lot of the other guys that we're going to talk about, um, you know, eventually we're going to have to pay some of these guys or not pay them and decide who stays and who can't be retained. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm in agreement that um, it doesn't make any sense for us, um, particularly where this franchise sits right now. It makes it, we always have to go and look at, at these things, and, and it makes for you know a fun article for people to argue about on Twitter, but it makes absolutely no sense for us as a team.
2: Yeah, and, and Jeff, to that, and, well, and to that point, you know, you know, you always hear the argument that a great quarterback makes the talent around him better, and that, and while that holds true. The same people that want to trade Baker Mayfield for Deshaun Watson, as soon as Deshaun comes in and his chemistry doesn't match up with what we have, people are gonna start complaining that, gosh, man, he doesn't have chemistry with Hollywood Higgins. Right. <laughs> and you know, yeah. it, it's just yeah. it's, it's like it it's happens just, overnight. Yeah, it's, well, and it's just going to be the, you know, unsatisfied fan base. That's just, you know, whether it's just a case of, hey, we got to have something to talk about or, hey, it's the offseason. And for the first time in what seems like 400 years, we're not talking about replacing a coach, a quarterback, all of the above. It's like, well, let's let's come up with something else. Let's let's create some new drama. And, and that's just and that's almost what it feels like. I mean, um, just got to have something to talk about. Yeah, so
0: let's talk about offensive line, guys. Uh, yes. We're going to uh, spend a little bit of time here going over the guys on the offensive line, uh, contract status, and so forth. Uh, try, just trying to figure out you know, who we think's going to be back, um, who we think's going to be gone, and who he think's probably you know on the bubble. So, uh, so we'll just uh, we'll go with some discussion. And then we'll each kind of give a final verdict of, of stay, go, or bubble, okay, for for these guys. And a lot of these are going to be easy, okay? Yeah, <laughs> be a few I'm, we'll talk I'm glad we, we're starting with a really easy positional group. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, you know, there, there's discussions as to other things. A couple of these guys we need to talk about, you know, when they should be extended and things like that, too. But, um Let's just go through them. So I'm going to start with with the eight guys who are on the active roster right now. The, the, it's just at the end of the season, so it's it's not really the eight main guys, but it's just kind of how it was listed. So, uh, we'll, and I'm going to give you a bunch of stats and everything, and then and then we'll just we'll kick it off and we'll just let you guys alternate as to who's going first on each one. We'll let John go first on on this one. Um, we'll start with J C Treader. Uh, JC is 29 years old 64307. He had a PFF grade of 81 this year and uh, tw- in 2021 he's due 9.1 million. 2022 he's due 7.9 million. The Browns have a potential out in 2021. So in other words they, could, they can cut him and take a 6.75 million dollar uh, hit on their on their cap. Okay, but either way, he's an unrestricted free agent in 2023. Okay, last season he played 1,062 snaps, which was 100% of the Browns' snaps. And I'm, th- when I quote the snaps, guys, this is regular season. I don't have postseason snaps included on this. Yep. All yours, John.
2: Yeah. You know, you look at JC, and and since he's been here, I mean, he's been consistent. He he's gutted through injuries. I mean, you know, there's been times where we thought, okay, he's going to be out, and nope, he just grinding back in there. And so, you know, I look at him; he's been he's tough, he's been resilient. And, and this year, it, it kind of really felt like, um, because we saw quite a few injuries, Teller. Uh Batonio, of course, we missed him with COVID, you know, some different things. And there was a lot of line reshuffling, you know, one game we didn't even have our basically our entire offensive line coaching staff. And yet JC was holding this group together. And they played well together. Um, so, so you look at that and say that this guy he brings a lot to the table that I think is beneficial. I, I I I I think he's one of those guys that you lean on. That you he's he's got leadership qualities that that you value in terms of um, you know the line. Is he the most talented guy on the line? No, not at all. But when you look at the fact that he holds those other guys together that are all very talented, from Willis to Conklin, you know from Jedrick. Over to 78. Those guys are all tough, and 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 it feels like JC's been holding those guys together. Um, and so I would say that you definitely, you know, keep him, you know, at, at least for this year, at least for this year, and you know, and you always just kind of reassess going forward.
0: So Jeff, what are your thoughts, Jeff?
1: Oh, sorry, I was muted. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, he he hasn't missed a snap. Um, yeah. You know that, like everybody says, your best ability is availability. Yeah. Um, this guy has played through injury. Um, he's a leader. He's a warrior. Um, I'm I'm glad we have at least two more years of him. Um, I don't. You know, I don't. I think it's gonna be really tough. To replace J.C. Treader when the time comes.
0: Yeah, I'm with you guys. I don't think uh, I don't think there's any way they let him go right now. So, um, so yeah, he's gonna be here next year. Uh,
2: Unless there's another, unless there's another Steve Everett out there.
0: No. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I think J.C.'s probably here through uh, through 22, and then you know see what happens after that. So yeah, yeah. um, the other the other center the other center oddly enough on the active roster was Anthony Fabiano who played in the two playoff games. Uh, he, or he played uh, seven special team snaps in the two playoff games. I don't even have his uh, I don't even have his uh, salary information down here. I assume they signed him probably just for last season. He's probably a free agent. So uh, we'll just give you guys real quick a stay go or bubble on, on Fabiano. Is it me? Uh, I would Oh yeah, would Go say, ahead, Jeff, sorry.
1: I would say I don't think he'll be around.
0: Yeah. Same. <laughs> That's pretty easy. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, we won't spend a lot of time on him so. Um all right, Jeff, I'll I'll let you start on on uh, the next one which is uh, Joel Petonio. He is also 29 years old, 6'4", 320. Graded 85.5 on with the uh, PFF do uh 10 million 21, 10 million also a, a, an unrestricted free agent in 23. Um, no dead cap now if they were able to let him go, but that's not going to happen. He also played 100% of the snaps in uh, 2020. Any so chance that the Browns let him go? No. You have two 29-year-old guys we've already talked
1: about who played 100% of the snaps this year. What do you think the odds are of that happening again next
0: season? Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I, I love these. I love these guys, and, and I think you know at ten million per Joel Batony is a bargain. Um, you know, he makes Jedrick Wills better. Yep. He makes J C Treader better. Yep. Um, you know, these starters are easy. Yep. There's not a there's not a lot yep. that's going to happen in the next two seasons, barring injury, with the five starters on the offensive line.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we'll say we're, we're going to go a unanimous, uh, stay with, uh, Joel Petonio. John, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you start off on, on Wyatt Teller. Wyatt Teller is 26, six four three fifteen, graded a robust 92.3 in PFF. That's very well documented. He's due nine hundred <laughs> and twenty thousand dollars in twenty twenty one, and he's an unrestricted free agent in twenty twenty two. He played six hundred and ninety six snaps in twenty twenty, which is sixty six percent of the Browns' snaps. With uh, Teller, I don't think it's a question of whether he stays or goes in twenty twenty one. I think it's a chance. It, it's uh, it's a question of when do the Browns. Extend him. Do they extend him before the season or hope to, or hope to keep him around after the season?
2: Um, I, I would trade him for Deshaun Watson. Um, <laughs> <first>. <laughs> um, Straight no. up. Yeah. Yeah. I think they have that's, a higher PFF grade than Deshaun Watson. I think that's, hey, I think, Hey, I
0: think that's
1: you know, on that, on that point, you know who the top four PFF graded players in the league were last year. Aaron well, Rodgers number one, uh, mm-hmm. Wyatt Teller number two, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes number three, and Travis Kelsey number four.
2: See, yeah. that's that's a that's,
1: that's a pretty good. lofty company. Well, he, we has, he just might be Travis worth Deshaun Watson. <laughs> uh,
0: you know, I'd be able to train him for Mahomes then,
2: right? He's better than Mahomes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. Uh, well, it depends on how well Patrick can block, but no, yeah, you know, yeah. you know, so Patrick I, I, might I,
1: have a hard time.
2: You know, I, uh, Wyatt is the guy that it was funny. He he just um, you watch him play, and it's kind of like he gets lost in the mix. But you know he's out there making plays. If that makes sense, it's he. There's just such an unassuming level in terms of him making plays. But then you then you slow it down and watch it. You go, okay, he's made an impact play here. He made an impact play here, and and I, I, and you, you touched on a couple of things there: age and that that cost. I mean, he is such a bargain basement value right now. And I think you make a good point, Rod. You just have to decide when do you re-sign him. Because the other thing is, you know, kind of circling back to what Jeff referred to is that chemistry, you know, maybe you, you know, maybe two years down the road, maybe you don't let J.C. Tredder go. Maybe you keep him around if he's still performing at the same level, even though he's older. If he's still performing at the same level, you keep him around and you keep that cohesive line together with that good chemistry and tell her. Yeah, he's a, he's a no brainer. I think you I think you keep him. I think, you know, it's the same thing. He helps. You know, they all help each other in the sense of making the players around them better and and, and why it's no different. So, I, I, yeah, it's just a case of when do you resign him?
1: Oh, or and I would just add to that. Do you resign him? Because I think 2021 is a no brainer. Like you said, that under a, under a million bucks um, for a guy this highly rated um, going into the following season, though, you have to start thinking about how much you're paying offensive lineman. Um, and is Wyatt Teller really going to be worth 12 to 14 million bucks a year, which is what he's going to command on an extension. Um, That's what he's going to be able to go out and get in the market um, if he has another year like he did this year. My question is, is how much of his rating is based on the system? Um, I think a lot of um, the the plays that he gets a lot of credit for are system driven, Um, you know, pulling guard plays um, and zone blocking. So the other thing I would throw out there is the big question mark with him is health. You know, when, when you're missing a third of the snaps, yeah. um, you know, you gotta, you got to factor that in. You know, I mean, if, if, he's, if he's somehow able to stay healthy all of next year and put up these same kinds of numbers, it's going to be real hard, I think, for the Browns to commit the kind of money that he's going to command.
0: Yeah, I just wonder what type of contract he would command right now you know this offseason. this off season I, you know, I just was Browns, reading
1: something earlier today that he's he's in that 12 to 14 million dollar a year range
0: right now Yeah right now <laughs> <laughs> Yeah based on what he played Based games. on one season Yeah Yeah um Yeah Six it, starts it, last that's, year a and, that's a challenge that's yeah. a challenge because the Browns have other guys they, that they need to extend I mean seriously right. if you're talking about keeping Nick Chubb around or keeping Wyatt Teller around? Who's easier to replace? Yeah, I mean, I, I like Wyatt Teller, but but let's you know, and I would like to see the Browns keep him. But you make a great point, Jeff. The, the Browns are spending money on most of these other offensive line positions right now. You know, right? You got enough. Conklin
1: at ten million a year. You got Petonio ten million a year. You got Treader at just under well
0: nine. Next year yeah, is nine, nine a 10.
1: year. Yeah. Um, and and fortunately you got Wills on a rookie deal, you know. But can you really have four starters making ten million bucks a year?
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, you're looking I at forty five million
1: dollars for your five offensive linemen, <laughs> plus, plus reserves. <laughs> That's a big chunk of your roster, particularly when, like we said earlier, the salary cap's probably going to be dropping.
0: Yeah, and it becomes a question of. Wyatt Teller and you have this spectacular offensive line coach, you know, how good was Wyatt Teller before he, you know, before he get, you know, before he got coached up, okay, this season, you know, was he? Well,
1: yeah, to, you know, to be fair to him, I mean, he worked really hard in the offseason on his body and, and yeah. you know, his technique and, and so forth. And And yes, I think the system has been really good for him. And, and uh, Callahan has, has done an outstanding job with him. But we also saw guys like um, Blake Hance step in at the end of the season and do extremely well in playoff atmosphere at the guard position. So how much drop-off is there? Um, you know.
0: Yeah, that, that's kind of what I'm getting at is that if, if Bill Callahan sticks around you kind of have some confidence that that they can replace Wyatt Teller and they can do it at, you know, a lot less than $10 million a year. That, you know, whether it's through the draft or whether they can bring in a, you know, a free agent guy who's, you know, not top of the line and they can make him better because he fits the system well. Right. So, well, yeah. and, and
1: here's the other thing I think about, like I said, in terms of window, okay? Will's on the rookie deal and then you got Conklin for three years, who's 26. Okay. Those are the guys I think that, you know, your tackles aren't going anywhere for a few years. Okay. Those interior guys, we've got to start thinking about who comes next. You know, how long is Betonio going to be able to play at that level? How long is Trevor going to be able to stay healthy? You know? So I think you need to be developing guys that, you know, and, and maybe it's Nick Harris or, you know, somebody else, Drew Forbes, you know, that, you can plug in down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, but you gotta start thinking now about what's your offensive line gonna look like in twenty twenty three. Right. Right.
2: Well, before could, you yeah, go out and spend, a lot different.
1: Before you go out and spend forty five million dollars extending Wyatt Teller.
2: Well and, and one thing that and, you know and you look at this organization with the with the new structure in place, with how they're handling it from an analytics standpoint and some of the different types of things, we've already seen where they've um, I guess you could say you know you manipulated the money and 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 working at those types of things restructuring deals and he, of course you do see that a lot of times as you go forward and you go down the stretch and I and I and I did tend to forget that and, and Jeff you touched on a good point that he did miss a sizable number of snaps this season so you know I, I did tend to forget that in that sense you know when he was on it, when he's on the field yeah I think you know he he was a, a great contributor to the offensive line and, and helped in that sense and it's interesting that he you know, he's one of the younger guys and still missed quite a few snaps. I mean, obviously Will's being the youngest, but, you know, so there, those are the types of things that, as you look going down the stretch, how do we work at, you know, will we, we structure people's deals? Will they look at some different types of things that you maybe bring somebody in different through the draft? I mean, they, I can't, I think it's Harris that they drafted this off season, you know, in yeah. the draft last year and jury's still out on him. I mean, you know, so maybe he's not the answer, but, you, you know, Hans uh, played pretty good down the stretch when he was called into emergency duty and that type of thing. So, you know, Jeff, you touched on a good point of, of you know, again, this zone blocking scheme is notorious for making linemen look good or even in some cases making running backs look good. You know that type of thing. So you know, and Callahan being the coach that he is. So you know, yeah. Though there's, I think those are good factors that you mentioned that you know will have to be considered.
0: Yeah, the more we talk about this, guy, I can see, uh, I can see why Teller kind of playing out this season at that at that nine hundred twenty thousand, and seeing yeah. what happens. So I think uh, I think we're onto something there. Now, uh, Jeff, I saved your guy for you, uh, Blake Hans twenty five years old. <laughs> 66310 uh pff 47.7 660k in 2021 so he signed through 2021 um unrestricted free agent in 22.
1: and and from that perspective i think he's he's really in the same category as my teller um similar age similar contract um short window to really establish himself. I, I like Blake Hans a lot. I think, you know, what we saw of him late in the season, um, you know, he, he showed himself to be a very capable guy of stepping in. I think he could probably elevate his game just much like what Teller did this year, Yeah. Um, next year. But again, the Browns are going to have to make a decision on, you know, who do they extend? Who do they keep under contract? Um, I think Blake Hans is a much less costly potentially much less costly version of Wyatt Teller um but again because of their inability to hold you know hold on to him long term I just don't know that he's going to be able to build a case for himself to get you know more playing time and and you know an extension
0: yeah and you have to remember guys that that PFF grade that the Sounds awful. The forty-seven point seven—that's against the Steelers and the Chiefs. He only played in the playoff games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he didn't have any snaps in the regular season. So, so before you beat him up and say, ah, you know, he he didn't really play well. You know, <laughs> he came in cold, and you know, he, he held his own. So, so I'm I'm with you, Jeff. I think, yeah. uh, you know, you give him some time to work with with the with the you know with the first team in that, and you know, maybe he could turn out to be a pretty good player.
2: Well, and, and not only that, I mean, he did it on a, I mean, he did it on a short week. I think I think what was it? He was picked up on like a tu- the Tuesday before the Steelers game. I think it is. And, and if you guys haven't read it, I, th- I think it's Peter King. Um, he wrote a really good article about how that all went down, um, how Andrew Barry reached out to I think it was the Jets um and and that how that whole thing came together and how they got blake on the team (laughs) and it's it's a really it's and if you get a chance to read it i highly recommend it it's a good read um that breaks down the really interesting scenario in which they in which they got him and and and, uh it's uh yeah you know and jeff i think you make a good point um you know he he kind of stuck out a little bit for me and maybe it was just because i was like when they brought him into the game versus the steelers i was like Okay, I've never heard of this guy in my life. Who is he? So you're kind of watching him a little bit, and you're like, right. okay, you know, you know, he's kind of getting abused, but then you, you make a good point. I mean, short week, you know, learning the system, emergency duty. There's so many factors that come into play. I think given an offseason, learning the system, getting his body in shape, um, having Callahan coach him coach him up and, and getting where he needs to be, you know, maybe, maybe that's our, our short-term answer until they find the quote-unquote guy. Um, you know, do they move him to the right side and, and replace Teller, that kind of thing? So, yeah, I, I think you, you make some good points there.
0: Yeah, for me, I think he, I think you have to say he's a bubble guy, he's going to be fighting for a position next yeah, season. Absolutely. So, I think that's yeah, kind of absolutely. bottom line. So, uh, yeah, so, uh, John, I'm going to come back to you with Jack Conklin, the all pro this season, uh, 26 years old, 6'6, 308. 84 PFF grade. uh, Do 10 million in 21, 12 million in 22, and his contract is void in 23. Apparently, he becomes a free agent. So it's a three-year, fully guaranteed contract. He played 1,002 snaps, uh, which was 94% of the snaps, and. I looked a lot at his contract guys, because I think he originally signed a longer contract, but there's something that voided like the last year or something of it. So I'm not going to pretend I understood everything, but everything points to the fact that he's a free agent in 23. So the Browns have him through for the next two seasons.
2: Yeah, I, I, I think it's easy to look at Jack and say that he I mean, obviously, the guy was voted all pro. I mean, so the guy put up a great season. Um, I, I, I don't, you know, I'm one of those guys that, you know, I played, you know, DB and wide receiver. <laughs> and so that's, you know, I'm normally watching the skill, skill players, but, um, you know, watching these guys, how they kind of used them. Um, and they obviously brought Jack in for a reason. I, you know, I thought he played at a high level and not, you know, and again, like I said, he obviously, you know, if people voted him all pro, he obviously, you know, turned some heads in that sense. And I don't pretend to know anything about the O-line in that aspects of, you know, the the semantics and the schemes and, you know, the skills and the, you know, you know body chemistry and, you know, all the guys that they, you know, how they break these down. But, you know, I was happy with how Jack played this year. Um, you know, for me, the only I wouldn't call it a red flag, but the concern is, uh, you know, it seems like a lot money to type into to a right tackle, at least for me. And, and you guys kind of touched on this across the board. You know, yeah. you, you can't be dumping 50 million in, in, into your O-line. And at some point in time, when Wills is due as your franchise cornerstone tackle, you're gonna to have to pay him a truckload, and, and so, and maybe that's why they structured Conklin's deal that way. Is is in, in the short term, he gives us the anchor on 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 the O line in that side, um, and then when it's time to look at either letting him go or restructuring his contract, maybe it becomes time to re-sign Wills. And so you look at it that way. And so, I mean, it's a no-brainer that the guy is, is, is going to be here next year, and and hopefully he stays fully healthy again and and, and continues to play great football.
0: Yeah. What do you think, Jeff? You agree?
1: Yeah, absolutely. He's not going anywhere through <laughs> yeah. the next two years. Yeah, it's interesting to look at, at all these guys um, whose contracts run through twenty twenty two.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Tretter,
1: Batonio, and Conklin all run through twenty twenty two.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, yeah.
1: At some point, like you said, we're gonna have to think about
0: what comes next. Well, it, it goes back to to what you said, Jeff, and yeah, and thinking about what comes next. And I think the key is. You have to find some guys in the draft that you can take and sign to the to to um, you know to rookie deals for for four or five years and and develop you know over the next two three seasons and de- and develop so that they're ready to step in. You have to have guys at at, at least a couple of these positions ready to go uh, because yeah, they're not I just sign all these guys.
1: I think that's where some of the money is going to come from to sign guys like Nick Chubb, You know, yeah. if you're going to, if you're going to do that, it's going to have to come from someplace. And yeah, we have salary caps you know, space, but, um, you the, the real question on this line is, is, you know, who's in that next tier and what's their contribution going to be. Um, if there's a, an injury this year, um, or when these contracts start to come up in the next couple of years. So, you know, guys like Blake Hance, Kendall Lamb, um, Nick Harris, um, Drew Forbes, you know, where do they fit on the roster? Um, And and what does it look like in the next two to three seasons? Um, Can we develop them to become starters or are we going to have to go out and hunt for people to plug gaps um, if we can't afford
0: the guys that we have? Right. So let's move on to Jedrick Wills, 21 years old, 64312, 62.7 pff grade. He's due $1 million in 2020 uh, in uh, 21, 2.4 in 22, 3.3 in 23, and then he'll have fifth year option in 24. Played 960 snaps in 20, which is 90%. Now, we obviously don't need to talk about whether he's staying or going, guys. He's going to be here. Uh, You know what? I mean, his PFF grade wasn't uh, dramatic, but, man, he played pretty darn good for a rookie, didn't he? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think he played like you would expect a top-of-the-draft rookie tackle to play. You know, unless you're Joe Thomas, um, you know, you're going to take your lumps your first season. So um yeah I mean he 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 held the the position down admirably um and you know I think he's going to just get better in in future years and and you know he's the kind of guy that you can count on to be there when all these other question marks are going to come up because
0: yeah.
1: he has a very team friendly contract through the next several seasons.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So um, last guy on the active roster uh, end of the season was Kendall Lamb. Twenty, he's 28, 6'5", 310, 66.7 PFF grade. He's he's actually an unrestricted free agent in 21. Um, he made 2.5 million in 20. Played 116 snaps, which was 11% of of the snaps for the Browns in the regular season. So he's obviously the first tackle. Uh, First tackle off the bench, pretty much the only tackle they had left at <laughs> the end of the season. So uh, so what do you guys think? Kendall Lamb, are they gonna re-sign him? What kind of money are they talking about to to bring him back? Or do you think they look elsewhere for their for their number, you know, for their number three
2: tackle, we'll say? Uh, you know, that's a that's a lot of money for a guy that only played hundred snaps. You know, and I mean, did he did he kind of come in in some crucial situation? Yeah, but there's also no guarantee that you're going to have crucial situations every year, you know, yada, yada, yada. And, and so it's, it's easy to look and say, man, we could probably utilize that money elsewhere. Maybe we get two good rookie linemen, you know, those types of things. And um, so I, I think, he, you know, if, if, it, if it was me, I, I'd, I'd give serious consideration to, to, to letting him go. Um, and then looking at, you know, bringing in depth elsewhere at a cheaper, at a cheaper cost, no less. Cheapy I mean, costs, yeah. yeah, especially when you're looking at what may be taking place with the salary cap going forward for the, for the upcoming season.
1: Mm-hmm. But, you agree, Jeff? but he did have a touchdown reception on a tackle. <laughs> oh, I forgot.
0: I didn't even write that so down. Darn it. You
1: have to account for the wide receiver money. Uh,
2: yeah. That's no, true. <laughs> that's a that's <laughs>
0: million.
2: So you take that off. Uh, right. No, i
1: getting a You know what? I, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but, um, the real question is who's going to be our swing tackle because, uh, Chris Hubbard, I think is under contract next year. Is that right? If
2: he, if is, he yeah. 80, they re, they
1: reworked his deal through 21, I think.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, let, let's, um, let's we'll talk about Chris Hubbard next. Okay. I'm just,
1: I'm just saying between him and Kendall lamb that you're, you're pretty much talking about the same player, right? Um, they're some more backups, they're backups and they're, and they're able to play, you know, either tackle position and and move inside if, if, you know, in a pinch. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that's what the decision comes down to really is, is, you know, one of those guys has to be, or, or, or somebody like them has to be, your backup in case one of your starters goes down and that's that's really the decision on Kendall Lamb I think is you know is, is he that guy
0: yeah so so let me give you the uh, info on Chris Hubbard He's, Chris Hubbard's 29 uh, he um he had uh in, uh let's see um got hurt in the Giants game he tore a ligament in his knee and dislocated yep. his kneecap so hopefully yep. uh you know, I'm assuming he'll hopefully be ready to go. Horrible injury next by season. The way. Yeah, but not yeah. you know not a not a nice injury. Um, he had a a uh, 71.9 PFF grade last season. He's he's 6'4 295. He played 293 snaps, which is 28% of the Browns' snaps. Um, he's signed through 21 unrestricted free agent in 22. The Browns can release him prior to June 1st. And and uh, save two point seven million on on their cap, so they would only take a two point two million dollar cap hit if they if they release him. So um, so they may decide to part ways with him. Um, Kendall Lamb's free agent; they can just let him go too. So so I think you're probably right, Jeff. Um, you know, it could be one or the other, or or, or neither. You know, right of those yeah. two guys.
2: Yeah, and the thing about Hubbard, um, you know, and, and Chris has been. He's been uh, he's been pretty reliable when he's been called upon for the most part. Um, I mean, he hasn't been horrible, but he hasn't been great. Um, but he's had to come in and fill in in a pinch and in different positions across the line. Um, but man, he's going to be thirty when the season starts, coming off a horrible knee injury. Uh, uh-huh. You know, that's 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 you know. Maybe you bring him back at a really significantly reduced contract. I mean, is he fully healthy? So, I mean, those are there's a lot of different things that have to be looked at there, um, you know, in, in, in that sense, too. And, and, and actually, Lamb, I think Lamb is either the same age or maybe just a little younger. Yeah, Lamb's
0: 28 and Hubbard's
2: 29. Right, uh,
0: Chris, yeah. Chris Hubbard is the oldest lineman on, on the roster at 29, which is interesting. <laughs> do not have a lineman or, or, you know, who's 30 or older.
2: You know, and so when you look at that, that's uh, do we, you know, you're, you're also navigating around the proverbial window for opportunity. Do you bring in younger depth that, that gives you more flexibility and, and frees up payroll that gives you, you know, those types of things? So, um, you know, Jeff touched oh. on some really great points that you have to consider a lot of those different scenarios. When do you keep one for a swing tackle? Do you keep both but reduce their salaries do you let them go and bring in different bodies so yeah there's there's it's going to be interesting to see what andrew barry and, and the front office decides to do with that
0: yeah yeah so the other two guys who are injured um nick nick harris he's only 22 and he's on definitely a, a very friendly team contract uh or team friendly contract i should say um you know, Jeff and I had a, con- a uh, conversation about how small he looked. He, he's yep. only six one, six one three zero two. Yeah. So he, he looks small, but you know, if he's going to play center, I, I guess height doesn't matter as much at the center position. Um, he, he's only due seven hundred eighty thousand in twenty one, eight ninety five in twenty two, and a million in twenty three. Unrestricted free agent in twenty four. He played one hundred forty six snaps, fourteen uh, percent of the Browns' snaps in the regular season. So. You know, it's a question of if the Browns really didn't like what they saw from him. I guess you know maybe they would you know move on, but if they feel like there's something to work with there, you would think that they would keep him as the backup center. You know, at that at that price.
1: Um, Yeah, developmental guy, uh, developmental
0: interior guy um,
1: who can who can be a rotation guy if pressed. Um, I think he's you know obviously the Browns drafted him so they like. There's something that liked about him. Um right. I think he's I think he's gonna be in that spot for the next couple of seasons. And based on what he does, you know, he may get the opportunity to replace JC Treader um once JC's contract's up in uh, twenty three.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean go ahead. Go ahead, John. Well, I and I was gonna say because you, you look and again, this off season, this past off season was so bizarre. Um, you, you draft the kid. He doesn't get a lot of opportunity, you know, from a camp perspective. Those types of things. Um, there was no preseason, so you don't get a look to see, you know, how does he fit into the scheme? You know, what do we need to work on? You have to basically watch him in games, in live games, to see what he's bringing to the table, and then kind of say, okay, this is what we're going to have to work with and work on going forward. So now, with a year in the system. Um, working with Callahan, does Callahan work with him in this off season now and, and have a greater understanding of what he's working with and how they can improve his technique and his, his, you know, his set and, and for how he fits into that line. Cause I know, I remember I would watch him play in the small bits and pieces and I'm like, Ew, I'm not sold on this guy, you know, but then I'm like, Oh, well, yeah, we didn't exactly have an off season. We didn't have preseason games. So it's, it's those types of things too, that I think you have to, to look at because I think Everybody kind of talks about the importance of chemistry, understanding the scheme, you know, understanding, you know, you know, reading defenses, and, and, and all of these different types of things that go into it. And he didn't have that opportunity. So um, I, I think once once that starts to come to fruition and, and gives him a greater a greater feel for this system, I think you know us as fans, and of course the front office and the coaches will have a, a greater understanding of of what they're going to do with him going forward.
0: Yeah, definitely. All right, guys, we're, we're down to the players that people have forgotten about, okay? Um, <laughs> Michael Dunn, um, from what I can see, he played one snap in the wildcard game. Is that right? He got hurt on his on the first one. Kaylin, the first he play. got hurt on his first play. First play. Um, yeah. So he, he's, he's 26. He injured his calf in that wildcard game. Um, somehow he still scored a 76.2 um, <laughs> DFS grade. I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe he had some. Uh, maybe he had some uh, special team snaps in there too. I didn't count special team snaps. Six five three zero seven. He's a guard. He's an exclusive rights free agent in twenty one for the Browns. He made. He was. He, he was. Um, I guess on a prorated contract, but on base of a six seventy five. Six um, hundred seventy five thousand and twenty um, in in twenty twenty. So. Um, you guys see him as anything other than a bubble guy, or you think he's just gone, or do you think he gets consideration coming back next season?
2: Uh, I think you package him and Wyatt Teller for Deshaun Watson, and we put Deshaun Watson at right guard. Just got to bulk him up. A little we bit.
1: are definitely
2: loaded at
0: <laughs> guard. We are loaded at guard. Um,
1: you know, you, we yeah, we have so many developmental guards right now. Um, you know, how does Michael Dunn get noticed in this field? You know, yeah. um, that's the problem. There's just there's too many guys who are, you know, late round draft picks um, who are pretty much the same mold um, and. You know, yeah, maybe the Bronx are just waiting for somebody to surface um, as a as a rotational guy. Um, that's I, I don't think you know any. There's any concern about who you know we're going to be developing a guard. That's going to work itself out in training camp. I'm yeah. much more concerned about who our backup tackles are going to be.
0: And, and I agree with you. I yeah. agree with you. And interestingly enough, guys, there were three guys on the line who opted out of 2020 and they're all guards okay right um uh colby gossett malcolm pridgen i just looked up their their ages and their height and weight i didn't even look at their contract status because i don't know much about them uh gossett's 25 pridgen's 26 uh drew forbes is another story he's 24 years old 65308 he's signed through 2023 guys um and he's from the prior regime. He, he must have been signed on what? A, well, you know what? I think the contract got pushed back here because he opted out. So I think he signed, right. a, a what, a four-year deal. So he's due, he's due 850 this season, 850 in 22, and 965 in 2023. So, so I guess it's a question of whether the Browns – you know, are still going to look at him and give him a serious go after opting out and being from the prior regime. do you, Do you think he gets a Do you think he gets a fair shot now, just based on talent, or do you think he's got a lot of things going against him? What do you think, Jeff?
1: Well, um, so to Forbes specifically, I mean, he's he's signed, so I think he's in that that same category. Um, as Nick Harris, um, you know, he, he's, and to a lesser extent, Jedrick Wills, I mean, where he's a young draftee that has a contract in place. So these are, you know, fairly economical guys to have on your squad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the other two guys you mentioned are, are career practice squad guys. Um, and that we could probably throw a couple other guys in that category as well. Yeah. Um, that you're just kind of hoping you get something from, but you're really not expecting a lot from. So, um, yeah, Drew Forbes
0: know, is different though because he signed for so long and right. at such a low price. The question is, right. Are Forbes they going to give him is, you know, a serious look and can they develop them?
1: I think, yeah, I think as you know, he and Harris both being, you know, fifth, sixth round picks, um, you know, having several years of contract left with the team, um, they're going to be here. I think they're going to, you know, get every opportunity to develop as potential replacements, if not, you know, rotation guys um, on the inside. Um, these other guys are, are, you know, just. I don't think they're going to get those those snaps. I don't think they're going to get get those opportunities. They, they're going to bounce around on different practice squads.
0: I agree, and I believe Drew Forbes signed this. I think he was an. In- I think he was an undrafted free agent who they liked Drew, and signed to this contract. That's why I remember. Forbes. Through Forbes. That's why I remember it. I'm not.
1: No, I actually think we drafted him in the sixth round. Uh, I'm pulling it up. Yeah, he was. He was a sixth round pick in. 19- he was a
0: sixth round pick. Yeah. Okay. I I am wrong. All right. <laughs> not <And that's laughs> first or last time. Wow, that's, that's once. <laughs> wow. Okay.
1: I just I think, remembered because because I, I was looking at that and uh, just in comparing him to Nick Harris. Like I said, they very similar right. positions. With similar the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. John. I, I, yeah, what? I
2: was gonna say I, I think when you look at the the front office, I, I think we've already seen that I you know, Andrew Barry, he's willing to turn over every rock, look in every nook and cranny he can to find talent, no matter no matter what in that sense and i think um you know i think we'll we'll see that we even, we even saw it this year during the course of the season the roster was constantly being shuffled and and so with with the way that the, there was constantly um you know bringing and granted injuries drive some of that but i thought it was interesting in that sense for as many injuries that we kind of stumbled through with the o line um that you know not at any point in time did they bring you know, Forbes kinda along a line, you know, for a look. And, you know, we kept going to Harris or, or some of these other guys. And so it's interesting that you have a guy that you're paying that much as a backup, you know, as depth, you know, uh, but I, I think it's interesting to, to see I, I think they must like something or that I think they would have gotten rid of him. So
0: Well oh, he he opted out this season. Oh okay. So yeah, yeah so he wasn't he, available
1: he, this season.
2: Right. Right.
1: He's shown promise in the past though.
2: He, he has. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Because of COVID. Yeah, right. Because of COVID. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. You know, they've got some. I guess you could say some toys to tinker with, and, and mm-hmm. to to and hopefully we have some semblance of an off season that allows them, you know, to work through some of these things, and not everything's virtual and and all the, and, and Lord knows uh, who knows if we'll have an, um, um, you know, a preseason. Uh, Though there's been a lot of talk this year. I saw a lot of the players saying, hey, look, we saw a lot of good football this year without a preseason. So maybe we don't need one. So, um, you know, but at least we've had a year with this system. So uh, we'll see how how that goes. So, guys, if we were going to see a surprise
0: with any of these guys on the offensive line going into next season contract-wise, you know, somebody getting extended or somebody getting let go or traded – who do you think it might be? What do you think, Jeff? Any possible. Well,
1: I'll go back to what I said about Teller. If, if you're going to pin me down, um, I think the surprise is going to be that they probably don't extend him. Okay. Because everybody pretty much expects that the team or, or is, is hoping that the team extends him sooner rather than later. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if they don't.
0: Yeah. Yeah. John, do you have anything different than that, or, or are you going to agree? Um. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, that. I think. You know. I think that's. He's the one guy that I get. in Jeff, after he highlighted some of those things, I did some thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, that's. That makes a lot of sense. That he kind of is. The question mark, I guess you could say. Um. I mean, personally, if I had to, I would package all the O line players and trade them for Deshaun Watson. Um, <laughs> But, no no it just know, doesn't get old does it uh, man i'm just i'm just gonna beat i'm just gonna beat that dead i'm gonna beat that dead horse i mean I figured, it's working you know, I, I i you know i i just saw some ridiculous tr- trade scenarios and everything else this week and i was just like oh my gosh really but uh yeah no i i don't know that there are any surprises because a lot of these guys are you know locked up uh so to speak yeah. uh so um and, and just a quick note i guess if I, and and I, I one thing about Jedrick for me to kind of circle back to him really quick was this is a guy that when they drafted him, I was like, God, they're drafting a right tackle and they're moving to left tackle. And and man, he, he played his butt off. I mean, as a rookie switching from one side to the other um, and, and, and what kind of made me pay attention. To, and I said I don't watch the O-line very closely and I don't per se, but I did try to watch him when I had a chance because Jeff – you know, you know, kind of talking what you talked about, when you mentioned Joe Thomas, Joe did a thing before the season started and said, I love his game. And so I went, hmm, okay, let's see. And so during the season, I watched him play and I thought, yeah, man, the, the fact that they moved him from one side to the other and those types of things, he he stuck out for me. I think the kid's got a really bright future. And so, um, but kind of to circle back to your question, Rod, no, I, I don't know that I see any surprises with this O-line. I don't, I mean, I don't think there's anything out there that would really shock any of us. Uh, I mean, maybe. I mean, a trade, but I mean, who are you going to trade on that O line? I mean. Uh, yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, I. So unless, yeah. Unless
0: they decide to trade Teller, you know, and and get some out, out of him before he's becomes a free
2: agent, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's that
0: that would make the most sense if they decide that they're not going to.
2: Yeah. Yeah, right ride, ride the hot hand. Ride the hot hand. And that I would mean, have
1: to that would have to be based on somebody like Nick Harris just blowing them away. And you know, yeah. they felt really confident that, you know, they could turn yeah. that, that position over to him.
2: Or yeah. or, or, you're, you're or right. value or a value free agent signing. Maybe you bring in a guy that's a short term, you know, but hell, you're already paying him only, you know, dirt cheap money. So yeah, that doesn't make sense yeah, either. You might as well so. just
0: keep him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yep. you're right. Guys, it's
2: been a lot of fun.
0: Uh, John, you have any closing words for us?
2: Hey, I, I you know, Jeff, it was good, kind of catching up with you this time around, and, and Rod, you know, I, I, you know, thanks for having me back on. Uh, you know, it's, it's just in in reflection, uh, it it was a it was a fun season. It was a bit stressful at times. I mean. You know, how, how, many, how, how many games were we up like 40 to, you know, 10? And the next thing you know, we win like 40 to 38. And I was like, good Lord, this is the cardiac kids all over again. These guys are going to give me an aneurysm. But, you know, but it, it, was, it was a lot of fun and, and uh, it was a good season. And, and for as much, as much as I screamed at, you know, at the defensive coordinator, as, as much as I screamed at Joe, I was like, he did a pretty good job with the Kansas City game. And, and that's with, yeah. you know, you, you know, and you can make the argument that we don't have all the talent there. We don't have. Uh, but yet we still, you know, uh, you know, hell we created what five turnovers. I think it was in the Pittsburgh game in Pittsburgh. I can't remember the last time that happened. So, uh-huh. uh, you know, there there's there's those types of things. You know, I, I'm excited going forward. I think there's a bright future. For the Browns. So it's kind of finally nice to not be talking about coaching changes, quarterback changes, the draft back in November and October and and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited. Isn't that great? (laughs) (laughs) It seemed like it seemed like every week I was like, you know, the the Browns would do something explosive or they'd make a great play on offense or a great play on defense. And I was like, okay, who are you and what have you done with my Cleveland Browns? (laughs) You know, I was just like, what am I watching? This almost actually looks like football. And yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. It's been fun.
0: Jeff, any closing words? I, I think this
1: is really great how we're, we're taking little segments of the team and, and talking about these guys. But to to John's point, how nice is it that we're talking about the number one offensive line in the league, yeah. and the fact that our five starters are set for this coming year. And yep. they all are playing at a high level. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah we've kind of nitpicked the backups a little bit and, you know, that's where a GM earns his money. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Sashi's or, yeah, sorry, they, uh Andrew Perry, <laughs> excuse me. He's going to have to, <laughs> he's yeah. going to have to figure out who the backups are. Uh, but that's a, that's a great position for us to be in. Um And I look forward to, you know, talking some more about some of these other positions, which are going to be a lot more challenging than what we have going on on the offensive
0: line. Definitely. All right, guys, it's been it's been great. This has been the Browns Blitz. We will catch you next time.